Okay, let's get into Parshas Vayechi, Tavshin Pei, after the, the week off last week, uh, traveling, but now we're back. Parshas Vayechi, Chazak, Chazak, the end, the, the climax of Sefer Bracious as we go, as we like to say, we go from individuals and family to nationhood. That's really this week and next week, the transition that we go from uh, family, we're talking about family, the entire Sefer Bracious. That's what Sefer Bracious is all about. It's all about family, Adam and Chavez family, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef, all the Shvatim. Uh, and next week already, we'll be talking about individuals, but really nationhood. And that's really uh, on the horizon. So we know by Yechi Yaakov, Rashi quotes at the beginning of the Parsha. Uh, you have a quote at the beginning of source number one. Lama Parsha Zustuma. Why is the beginning of Parsha's Vayechi? You don't have the, the normal space that's left between Parshios uh, is not left at the beginning of Vayechi. Right? So why is it Sasum? Why is it closed? What is that being Merames? That Minhag of Klai Yisrael? Lafi, Shekiva, Sheniftar, Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is about to die in this Parsha of Vayechi. Yaakov, Yaakov dies. Niftar Yaakov Avinu nistimu einehem belibam shal Yisrael mitzaras hashibud. The eyes and the hearts of bnei Yisrael have been closed or are closing from the tsara of the shibud, from the difficulty of the of the subjugation that is about to start. So when Yaakov dies, their hearts and minds and and eyes started getting closed up, and therefore. Their remez to that is that the parsha starts off sasum. And he quotes also Muakamacher, Rav Zevin quotes also another Madrash, Vayamas Yosef Fakalachav, when Yosef died and all his brothers later on, Kayam, as long as one of the brothers were still alive, May Osam Shayardulamitzraim, Lo Shibdumitzrium Yisrael. The Shibud really didn't start yet. But only once the uh, brothers died, the Yaakov and the brothers, so that's when it really started. Says Rav Zevin. In his classic style, Tsaras Hashibud Nitno Lahargasha Od Terem Shenizgashma Bifoal. Sometimes the Tsara of Hashibud, uh, one could detect and one could feel even before it actually happens. When there are difficult times on the horizon, when there is subjugation that is potentially there, sometimes it could be felt even before it's actualized. In what way? Objectively and subjectively, there are two ways to feel it. To know, possibly, that there's something going to happen. That there's going to be difficult times in the future. When? And let's talk about this in terms of Gaulus. That's what he's talking about. How do we know when the Gaulus is going to be difficult? So there are objective facts that will lead. And also there's a detection that one could uh, feel in the air. And he's going to get that, just to foreshadow, from the Lushan of this Medrash and Rashi, a nehem v'libam shel Yisrael. He's going to pick up on the eyes and the hearts as we will as we will see soon. So says Rev, Rev Zevin, both on objectivity, when somebody looks from the outside, if somebody looks and sees a foreign nation that is residing in a majority that is not theirs, and and they have financial success, but but they're different, and they act differently, and they vacation differently, 
and they do everything differently than all the rest of the population of the land. And the Chazal say they don't change their names, they don't change their Lashon, they don't change their Lavush. As Chazal say, that's why we were Zochet to go out. You Chaliros, you could already see how long is this going to last? How long? It's a finite amount of time because the visitors are different. There's going to come a time when it's going to end. Every single Gullus in the past 2,000 years has not ended well. Because at a certain point, we're different. And it's Gullus. It's exile. We're not at home. And if we're not at home, it's not the destiny that we're supposed to be in forever. And eventually the, the natives, so to speak, are going to start acting up. In one way or another, if you're not at home, the comfort level, objectively, this is not even talking about any specific case. If there are strange people in the land, no matter how comfortable the um, host's country makes it, it's not going to be forever. That's on the objective level. Those are the facts. And then, from subjectivity, a sensitive heart, a sensitive heart could detect already when the tides start changing. A sensitive heart could feel when things are happening. When the host and some of the hosts start acting up, and it doesn't seem as friendly as it once was. That's not an objective thing. That's a feeling that one gets. Some people already feel it when the water's lukewarm. And some don't even feel it when the water gets hot until it gets boiling. It depends on the hargoshes and the sensitivity of the person. Says Rav Zevin, that's the eyes and the hearts, what's alluded to in this amazing Rashi. The eye, eye represents clarity, objectivity. If I see something, I know it. That's the, that's the, the sense that is, it gives me most clarity. If I, if I have my eyes closed and I feel something, right, that's a game, you have to try to guess what it is. Right? If you smell something, you're not 100% sure. If I hear something, if I see it, I see it. That's clarity, that's objective. And that's the eyes. The eyes, when Yaakov was still alive, and the Shvatim was still alive, then the eyes and the hearts, which is subjective, they were able to be cognizant of what was going on. They weren't blending in. They didn't lose their independence. Just like when the eye is open, the eye sees everything in front of it. Whether I like it or not, so to the eyes of the intellect, see objectively. When it comes to the hearts, that's subjective. I see what I want to see. And I have different glasses than everyone else has, even if I don't have glasses. Right? We all see things through our own lenses. 
While Yaakov was still alive, he made sure that they always recognized they're in Gaulus. They always recognized that this is not their home, and both objectively, the facts that they were different, and the subjective aspects, Yaakov kept that in there. It didn't happen. When Yaakov died, when the Shvatim died, then the slippery slope started. And they didn't recognize their differences. And they were different. But they just didn't recognize their differences. They didn't acknowledge it. And therefore that led to, that led to the Tsaras Hagalus as uh, the Rashi starts off. We've mentioned this often in the past years, the last Klayakar in Parshas Vayigash, the first Klayakar in Parshas Vayachi, where he picks up on the last Pasuk, Vayeachazuba, the last Pasuk in Vayigash. B'nai Yisrael started to have an Achiza in Eretz, in Eretz, Eretz Mitzrayim. And again, Rachman al-Itzlan, throughout every generation, and I think we could all say, Ad Hayom Hazeh. No, there's, there's, uh, the world is not a safe place. And, um, there's no place that's safe, and we need God's protection everywhere. But, you know, the sensitive spirit realizes, and it's even the objective spirit realizes, that it's not as friendly a place even that it was 10 years ago, and 50 years ago, and 100 years ago. And there's more security and protection that it's needed, and we need a lot of tefillah, and we have to recognize that, uh, that as I said, we need the ge'ula. We need the ge'ula, and we need to recognize where our true home is. Okay. Moving right along. Says the Torah we have at the beginning, Yaakov Avinu is towards the end of his life. He calls Yosef and he says, Vayomerlo. Imna, and remember, Vayikru Yimei Yisrael Lamus. Here he's called Yisrael, Yisrael Yaakov, uh, the, uh, keep switching. Imna Matzazichem Enecha, please swear to me. Simna Yalchataches Yerechi, Vasisa Imadi Chesed, the Emes. Al Nasek Bereni Bimisrayim. Do for me Chesed, the Emes. What's Chesed, the Emes? Chesed, Kindness and truthfulness, Chesed ve'emes. So we know Rashi says it's really one phrase. Chesed she'osim im hamesim, who Chesed shel emes. Chesed ve'emes is really a description of burial. Burial, that's why it's called. Many organizations are called the Chesed shel emes societies, the Chaver Kadishes. Chesed shel emes because it's a it's a Chesed according to the Pashup Shat that one can never pay back. People do a mitzvah to oneself and. They're not paying back, and that's why it's called Chesed Shel Emes. It's just for the Chesed itself. He does not expect any reward for it. That's Rashi. But if you look in Rav Yerucham, in Das Torah, he knows that it doesn't say that in the Pasuk. It says Chesed Ve'emes. Both, not Chesed Shel Emes. So maybe there's something, another shot that one could give. In source number two, and he says, as we know, there are two Mishnayas in the first Perakipurki Avos that are very similar, but they're different. The third Mishnah, the second Mishnah, I'm sorry, tells us on line four, the world stands on three pillars, at the end of that same Perak, we have a similar Mishnah, Many Rishonim already try to link the two. 
um, are the three in one Mishnah linked to the three in the other Mishnah? Um, or what's the difference? Rabbeinu Yonah, the first tour in Chosha Mishpat, discusses the tour in the Beis Yosef, discusses these Mishnayis, how to put these together, because obviously Dinamis and Shalom is the basis for, for Chosha Mishpat. So Rav, Rav Yeruchim here, he puts together Chesed and Emes. Chesed in the first Mishnah, and Emes in the second Mishnah. He named Yesode Ha'olam Halohem Chesed Ve'emes. Two of the Yesodos, maybe it's the same Yesod, maybe it's connected. Chesed and Emes keep the world going. And in Hashem's world, they're always together. In Hashem's world, they can work with each other. Even though they might, they seem to be different. Chesed is not Emes, Emes is not Chesed. Says Rabbi Yerucham, no, it's not true. They need to work together and balance each other out. Mitzvah Hakadosh Baruch Hu has both of these midos. V'chein kasuv, as David Amelach says, Kol Orchas Hashem Chesed veEmes. Kishtei Amidos Halalu Echad Heim. They're one. Chesed Shal Hakadosh Baruch Hu Nu Chesed veEmes Gam Yachad. Hashem's Chesed is Emes. What is there? Something about Hakadosh Baruch Hu that's not Emes? And Hashem is the ultimate Bal Chesed. Hashem is the ultimate, you know, giving giving Rachmanus. Mahu Rachu, Mahu Gomel Chesed. But Hashem, Hashem's stamp is MS, as we know. The Gemara, the Gemara says, Chosam Rosh Hakadosh Baruch Hu is MS. So how does it how does it work? Right? I think we mentioned in the past that the uh, in the in the Siddur Otsarat Filos, the old Siddur with all the Mefarshim on the bottom. So I think the uh, the Vilna Gon, somebody showed a Vilna Gon the following thought that he was Makalis and he praised it that every word in Viyatsa Venachon, starting with MS, I think there were 15 words are parallel to the 15 Psukim in the first two parshiyos of Kriyashma. So MS is parallel to Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein Hashem Echad. V'yatziv is parallel to V'yahavta. V'nachon, you go through each one. So MS is Hashem Elkein Hashem Echad. That's the stamp of Hashem. But he's also Baal Chesed. Says Yavir it's not a problem. Both of those can work in tandem. They're really intertwined with each other. As David Melech also says, Chesed ve'emes nifkeshu. There needs to be both. There has to be both. It applies to Hashem. Hashem is the opposite of Midos, and we have to imitate Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So says the Das Torah, Kena Torah Nikre Ms. The Torah itself. The Torah is called Ms. Ultimate Truth and Tchilas Chesed and Sofa Chesed, and it's also called. It's all about Chesed. The beginning of it, the end of it. Called Tziviat Torah Chesed Ms. Omdim Kshurim Zebazek Klulim Mim Echadheim. So if it applies to Hashem and it applies to the Torah, says the Das Torah, it applies to man as well. And when it says here, do a chesed ve'emes, yes, of course, Rashi. But there's another level. If I don't have both, if I'm doing chesed, but my life is not one of emes, then my chesed will be too extreme and misplaced. And if I'm all about emes without chesed, so then I'll be too much of a medoctic and I won't do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants either. There has to be a balance. Right? The Gemara says, sometimes there can be too much chesed. Right? Shol HaMelech had chesed on Agag, had chesed on Amalek, misplaced, misplaced chesed. The Rashbam is upset that Avram Avinu makes a treaty with Avimelech before the Akedah. Too much chesed. So there can be too much chesed. 
And obviously, there's going to, might be too much MS also. Again, there's a balance. Certain personalities in our history symbolized, you know, different, different strengths of those midos. Right? We have Beishamai, Behalal and Shamai. The stories in Shabbos, Taflam, and Aleph about the Gerim. Again, the Misoras that we follow, Hillel. But it doesn't mean pure chesed. Hillel was also a man of MS. Says the Das Torah now continuing. And that's what Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef. Right? Not just this burial, but it's to teach us that this is Yesod. As you start and we start the transfer, as we said, of individuals to family to nationhood, we have to recognize that's what Hashem expects of us. Not just chesed and not just emes, but chesed and emes go together in so many psukim, including this pasuk that we have in front of us. Okay, so Yosef is made to swear in order to um, bury, his, bury his father. So as we know, <laughs> later on, First, we have the Shvuah in Pasach Haftes. Simna Yalchatachas Yerechiva, Sisi Madi Chesed Be'emes. We have the Shvuah. Vishachavti Yamavosai, I'm going to die. Vayomri Shavali, right? Swear to me, Vayishavalo. And he swears. Vayishtachri Yisrael Roshamita, and he is Mishtachave. Why do we need the Shvuah for? He didn't trust him. He didn't think he would be able to, to do it. So, as we know, Rashi tells us that. Maybe Yaakov already felt the Tzaras Hashiput. Maybe he already recognized that right, things were changing, the tides were turning, and if there wouldn't be an oath, he realized Paro, Paro wouldn't be able to, wouldn't let him out. You already see it in the next Psukim, right after Yaakov dies. He doesn't even speak to Paro directly. So Rashi already quotes that. That's why he needed the Shvuah, because Paro didn't want him to violate his Shvuah, because as Chazal say, if he violated this Shvuah, then maybe he could violate the other Shvuah that Yosef knew Lashon HaKodesh, one of the languages that Paro didn't know, as the Gemara says in Meseches Sota. But maybe there are a couple of other ideas about the Shvuah. Says the two thoughts. First from Rav Salvechik in source number three. He quotes a story about Rothschild. Edmund de Rothschild, the well-known French, philan- French philanthropist. He wanted to be buried in Israel. But his wish cannot immediately be acted upon because of the hostilities of 1948. So he was buried in France. But when conditions permitted, Rothschild's children made a request, the French interior ministry, that he be reinterred in Israel. And there was a delay. And they didn't realize what was going on with the delay. After some inquiries, they were told that President de Gaulle himself was delaying the message, the response. Why? De Gaulle explained that he had tremendous respect for the... Rothschild family, and he was troubled by the request. He thought Rothschild was a loyal Frenchman. A true Frenchman is born, lives, and dies on French soil. Rothschild's request was therefore troubling. And although de Gaulle eventually acceded, his opinion of the family was irrevocably diminished. Because he realized, was he a Jewish Frenchman or was he a French Jew? And Rothschild wanted to do what he knew was right. Yosef had the same dilemma. He spent many years as the viceroy of Egypt, was considered a true Egyptian. How could he possibly want his father to be buried and himself to be buried in a foreign land? Yosef wanted to communicate to Paro. It was because my father made me swear. Right? Don't think of me as any different, at least at this stage. And that's why maybe Yosef 
um, you know, swore, again, Yaakov asked him to swear, maybe Yaakov also recognized the trouble and the dilemma that Yosef was going to have. One idea behind the shvur. But there's another idea based on one line in the Ramban. Says the Ramban in source number four. Lo haya Yaakov choshe bivnot tzadik. Ha'ahuvlo. Did Yaakov really think that Yosef was not going to fulfill his wishes? Yosef said he was going to do it. He'll figure out a way to do it. Sheyamra al mitzvah saviv, that he would rebel. Va'aladavar sheftiho, he promises him. Anochi asekid varecha. Avalasa Cain, as we know from Rashi also, lechazek inyan be'ne paro. What he did, he did it for paro. Ulai loyitein lo reshusli, he parade me menu. Maybe paro won't let him go. You know, Yosef, you stay here. Let your brothers go. You're not leaving. You're the viceroy. Or he would have forced Yosef to bury him there. After all, Yaakov was a bracha for the country. So, as Rashi explained, Yaakov foresaw that it would be trouble. And therefore, he made him swear because he knew Paro wouldn't want him to violate an oath. And then the Ramban adds a very intriguing line. Vigam Yosef yitztarech yoter lehishtadel b'inyan Yosef himself would, let's translate the words, try harder if he took an oath to it. What did that last line mean? Yosef would try harder if he took an oath that he would bury his father in, in Canaan. But he wouldn't try his hardest without the oath? We're talking about Yosef Atzadik. Not many people in the Bible have that title given to them. Yosef Atzadik, he's not going to do everything he can for his father? Oh, if he takes a shvua, then he'll try really hard. But without the shvua, not? Says Rabbi Friend. Friend quotes it from the Imre Shefer, Rav Shlomo Kluger. I looked at it, it says a little bit, but I think this is more also Rabbi Friend expanding on it. An amazing thought. Then my Sheffer suggests, he says, when a person pledges to do something for a friend, then faces a challenge in carrying out the mission. Sometimes there could come a point where I did my best. I'm not at fault. Circumstances are beyond my control. Okay, I did it. What could I do? I push, I push, I push, and now this is, this is out of my control. Had Yaakov let Yosef off with, I'll do it, so if Paro doesn't let him, okay, that's it. Yosef might have rationalized. Not that he wouldn't have tried his hardest. He would have tried his hardest. But then when he came to a brick wall, he would have said, okay, my father wouldn't have expected me to do anything different. But when somebody realizes that there's something greater at stake, when somebody realizes that everything's on the line, nothing's going to stop them. Nothing's going to stop them. Right? How often do we see in certain extreme circumstances superhuman strength Right, or, or whatever it may be, fighting through pain. When people, ain brera, as it's called, they push through. When a person realizes something greater at stake, that he's sworn to uphold his word, he doesn't say, I tried. Right, it's a do or die mentality. And he says, gives an example, he says, sometimes in a sports game, he says, that you have a, you have a team that's playing okay, whatever, the whole game, and in the last two minutes, it's like, boom, 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 boom. It's like, so much action, and then all of a sudden they come alive. Why? Because they realize there's two minutes left. When you realize it's close to the end, where the Chavetz Chaim liked to point out, Brachas Tafhei, Brachas Tafhei, Chavetz Chaim says, 
that if somebody's having trouble with their Yetzirah, so Yarg is Yetzirah by Yetzirah. And if it's too much, learn Torah. And if it's too much, then say Kriyashma. And if you can't, what's the final step? Yaskelo Yom HaMisa. Remember the day of death. So the Chavaz Chaim is Vadaik. doesn't say Misa. doesn't say remember death, meaning they were all going to die at some point after 120. It says the day of death. Meaning, let's say a person knows they have a couple hours. How are they going to spend those hours? Yom HaMisa. When you realize everything's on the line, you don't, we don't say, okay, it's fine, I did my best. Says there, my friend, so that's what Yaakov was um, giving to Yosef. He was helping him put him into a situation of an oath, and that way there wouldn't be any way out. Like he says on the top of the next page, everyone has factors that will cause them to dig deeper and tap into spirit and strength that remain dormant until that motivation kicked in. And he says sometimes, you know, Minion, minion, feel a bit seaboard, how much of a tirchah, all different examples that one could give. Everybody can relate this to their, their own life, to figuring out what we have to push a little harder in, in terms of uh, kavana by tefillah, in terms of doing a chesed, in terms of learning more, in terms of uh, anything, talking properly, lashonara, whatever it is, we can do it. It's possible. We just have to try a little, uh, try a little harder. Okay. In Parak Memtes Pasa Gimel, Okay, we get into the brachas. We get into the brachas. We have Ephraim and Manasseh. We're not going to talk about this year, the switching of the hands. Yaakov starts to give brachos. And Bechar Vakashi we've spoken about. But then we have the brachas. So on one of the one of the psukim of the brachas, on Pasa Gimel, on Reuven Bechoriata, the Arachayim HaKadosh asks about ten questions. But we're going to do a section of his, of his, um, of his uh, paragraph which relates to a very famous question that we've spoken about often, but again, it's the last parsha in Sefer Bracious, so we'll revisit the issue and we'll come back here. One of the questions that Arachayim deals with is, Yaakov acknowledges Reuven Bechor Yata. Reuven's the Bechor. And yet, he doesn't get the double portion. Yosef, the other Bechor, gets the double portion. But Yosef's not the Bechor to Yaakov. Yerusha goes through the father. So really, Reuven, what? He lost it? Isn't this beferish what the Pasuk says in Lokiseitse? Don't favor the son of the beloved, Ho'ahuva Alpre Ben Asnua. Don't do it. And yeah, that's exactly what Yaakov does. So that's the context that the Arachayim gets into in terms of the violations, in quotes, of the avos of certain mitzvos. If we know that the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, that the avos kept called to our kulaj lo nitna, say, how could Yaakov be mevaker between the sons? How could Yaakov marry two wives? How could um, certain of the avos build matzevas? Right? Many different um, discussions given. How could uh, Amram marry his aunt? Right? Yocheved. Right? Amram was the grandson of Levi, and Yocheva was the daughter. So, many of these violations. So, many approaches given. He quotes the Maharal, who writes in last week's Parsha, that maybe you don't, not the Maharal, he doesn't quote the Maharal, he quotes the Ramban, the Ramban and Parsha's told us that maybe only in Eretz Yisrael, right, the Maharal is maybe only the Assays, not the Los Assays, but then the Orachim has his Shita, which is said by a number of Achronim, but we'll repeat it now. V'hanachon be'enai, line 9. Hashem taught Adam, and Adam taught Chanoch, and Chanoch taught Shem. And it continues. 
As we know, it was Ke'ilu, they were Eno Mitzvah Viosa. They did it on a voluntary basis. They only had Sheva Mitzvahs, maybe a couple of others. But it was voluntary. Some mitzvahs that we have, if you do it great, if you get schar, and if not, we don't lose anything. Right? Mitzvah kiyumis, we would call it. There were mitzvah kiyumios in every generation, even before the Torah was given. But the Avos obviously wanted to do everything. So they volunteered everything because they had that tremendous love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Avinu was v'kayim, as the Gemara says, in Yuma, Afilu, Eruvei, Tavshilin. Fezbanav hekim taktof, laharviach, toelas ha-mitzvah, sveisakatora. But, says the Arachayim, once in a while, the Avos, Beruach Kadsham, recognized that for the good of Am Yisrael, for the good of the nation, they shouldn't volunteer this one. Remember, after Maimad Arsini, we can't have that, Cheshvan. We can't say for the greater good, what's called an Aver Lishma. That's a very limited concept, as the Gemara says in Nazir. Very limited. But, where it's in, in the... A uh, voluntary anyway. Yaakov realized he had to marry. Well, once he married Leah, he realized he had to marry Rachel. And along the way, Bill and Zilpah, who according to one medrash, were also sisters. Yes, there is some spiritual profit and benefit from doing every single mitzvah. But the greater Hana'a would be by marrying these two. And Amram and Yocheved and every other mitzvah along the way. And so too Yaakov Avinu in our parsha. He saw that Yosef needed two shvatim. That's what he recognized Baruch Kancho. He, he needed these two to be elevated to shvatim. And the whole idea is similar. He was a fascinating mashal. In the Rambam, the Rambam, when a Navi tells us to knock out a mitzvah temporarily, right, or don't blow shofar, whatever it is, when there's a temporary knockout, a Navi, Rabbanan, have the power to knock it out. If a Navi tells us to violate an Isra Torah, he says, show him in low. So to Yaakov, he married two sisters, he was Oker, the, the uh, Yerusha, and that's how we understand everything that he, everything that he did. And therefore, says the Arachayim, there's flexibility then, there's no flexibility now, but at least in those days we understand the Avos from Akayim called to Arkula, as long as they recognized that the spiritual benefit was not going to have any downside. But if there was going to be a downside, so then they didn't do it because uh, that is how they, how they uh, worked their Avoda. At that time of at that time of history. Okay, moving right along. Perak Memtes. Let's go to Yisachar. Yisachar Chamar Garem. Yisachar was a donkey loaded. Rashi quotes Chamar Balat Samos Sovel Ol Torah. He carries the weight of the burden of Torah. Chamar Chazak Shematinin Oso Masakavet. 
Like you give the donkey a heavy load, so too the heavy load of Torah was Yisachar. Mayar Menucha Kitov, we've discussed these lines in the past. He sees Menucha, Rabbi Yisarski Na'ema, he saw that it's, it's really an Olaf Torah, but the greatest the Olaf Torah, the greatest Menucha is to have the Olaf Torah. Okay. Yisachar are Torah giants. Yisachar are Torah leaders. Fine. If you think about it though, Levi is also supposed to be Torah leaders. Right? Levi, Sheva Levi, Kohanim, Levim. Right, we know the Rambam at the end of the of Yovel, the Kohanim and the Levim. So, which is it? Yisachar or Levi? And let's just add in one more. David HaMelech. David HaMelech, the Nesim. They're also Torah giants. Rabbi Gamliel, the whole family. Shushil to Rabbi Gamliel. So which is it? Yehuda, Levi, Yisachar. They're all Torah leaders. We could just say, yeah, they're all Torah leaders. Maybe there's a difference, though. Maybe there's a difference between them. If you look in the Drash David, he quotes the Chazals, Machokim, Bibin Ragla, but he bun of Shel Hillel. Well, I'm in Torah Barabim. Hillel's from David Amelech. So what exactly is there? Mi Yuashevet, says the Drash David. Mi Yuashevet, Shazachal, Keser, Torah. Who is the one that got the Keser, Torah? Lachorim, Atzonu, Kamash, Fadim, Zachalakach. Right, we have Yehuda, Mechokim ibn Raglav. We have Yisachar, Vayeshach Molis Bol, Old Torah. We have Sheva Levi, Yoru Mishpatech Yaakov, Moshe Rabbeinu, right, in Zosah Bracha. So which is, Vayesh Lavar, Ma'o Chalko HaMiyuchad, V'Tafkidosh HaKolechad, what is the, the Miyuchad job of each of the, of each of these Shvatim? So he's going to at least focus on Yehuda versus Yisachar and Levi. Yehuda's different. Yisachar, maybe Shevet Levi, were the, uh, the religious in terms of ceremony also, right? The Avoda, while Yisachar were the Rabbanim. But how is Yehuda? What does Yehuda fit in? So he quotes based on a Gemara in Mesechus Yuma that he quotes here. Gemara Yuma says, this question, Who are the leaders? The Mori Levi and Yisachar. Levi, as the Pasuk says, Yerom Mishpatech Yaakov and Yisachar from the Pasuk also about Yisachar. I ask the Gemara, next page. Yehuda Nami, what about Yehuda? Yehuda Mechokiki, Yehuda my law giver, my law creator, answers the Gemara, Asuke Shmaitza Aliba Dehilchus Kamina. No, there's a difference. <laughs> Yehuda, Levi and Yisachar are Asuki Shmaitza Aliba Dehilchus. They're the ones that get down to the bottom Halachalamaisa. Yehuda is not. See, Yehuda's not Halachalamaisa. Yehuda, they're not poskim. Shlomo HaMelech. Shlomo HaMelech wasn't a posik. Right? The great Mishpat of the two women, Haftorah and Parshas Mikates. What does that mean? The Hiksha Mepharshim, line 12. Hari Mishavi Yehuda Yatsum Malachim, kings, Nesiyim, Rashi Goliaths, Shehudanim Menish Lareyehu, V'chortzim Mishpat, David HaMelech, Shlomo, they were all judges. So, so what, and they, right, remember that Gemara in Psachim, that Hillel came, and they, he had an answer, so they made him the, the head overnight. So what exactly is the difference between Yehuda and Yisachar and Levi? So he says, based on a marsha. But then later on he quotes a ron. So I think we'll see it from the ron and then we'll come back to his, his uh, yisod. The ron and the drashos. He quotes the ron and the drashos. Where is it? It's on the next page. He quotes it towards the end. On the bottom right. 
He goes to Rana the Drashus who says there's a difference between a shofate and a melech. We might have mentioned this, Ron, years ago. There's a difference between the judgment of a shofate and the judgment of a melech. The judgment of a shofate is dry, objective, halacha. Evidence, drishav hakira, you know, cross-examination, figure out what the halacha is. This is the evidence. This is it. A shofate doesn't change his tune based on who the parties are. Rich and poor, he's not even allowed to do that. He's not allowed to be mate, mishpat. Oh, he's rich, he's poor. He's, he's a chashuv, he's not chashuv. A shofate is a shofate. There's no leeway, there's no flexibility. A shofate is done, the din, and zeu. A melech has much more flexibility. There's a concept of mor b'malchus. A melech has the ability to look outside and see what does society need me to do in this case. And they have a little more elastic, right? I need uh, to build a highway through this guy's backyard. You don't want to? But tough, this is what the society needs. That's what the ran. The ran is machalic between a shofate and a melech. That's, a, again, a well-known ran. And so he says on the bottom right of the next page, The job of a shofate... To cut the din. And based on what the door needs, that's how they are machria. Suggest now, the going backwards now, suggest the Drash David, maybe that's what the Gemara means by Yehuda versus Yisachar and Levi. Yisachar and Levi were the Asuki Shmaita this is the halacha, this is what is needed. This is what is done. But Yehuda, that's Melech. So they're not exactly, they're not limited to Asuki Shmaita Aliba de Hilchasa. They're not limited to, you know, what's, what, they, what the, the, the technical judgment is. He quotes from Abel Elopian, from the Lev Elio, the second column. Shonehu Mishpara Balafre Bezdin Shal Yisrael, Mishpara Shinido Befre Melech Yisrael. The difference between the Bez, if, it's, if Shlomo is going to judge something, or Rabbi Gamliel is going to judge something, right? I'm sorry, Rabbi Gamliel, or uh, the uh, another one of the uh, the Av um, Bezdins, who's not from Malchus Bez David. But it comes to a Bezdin, somebody stole. Doesn't matter who he is. Doesn't matter who he stole from, who it is. A person eats not kosher. Doesn't matter who he is. If he's starving, if he eats nothing, gets malchus, he gets ganev, whatever it is. But when it comes to a melech, and you have to have that. But when it comes to a melech, bottom left, he's also the achrai, the responsible one to keep society functioning. So there's a little broader flexibility to what they have. We have no melech. So over the past thousands of years, the Bezdin has both jobs. The Bezdin wears both hats. The Ron himself says this towards the end. If there is no Melech, then the Shofit wears both hats and Bezdin. Sometimes Bezdin, you know, the Gemara says, Makin Va'onshin Shalom and Adin. Right, if this is what's needed. But that's the difference between two types of systems of law when it comes to Halacha, that of a Melech, and that of a Shofit. And maybe that's the difference between Yehuda and Yisachar and Levi. 
And that's what's mentioned here in the in the uh, in the Drash David, the Chilak. So when the Gemara says Asuki Shmaitza means the cut and dry halacha, that's what Yehuda doesn't have. But obviously he has a mishpat. Obviously he has Chachmas HaTorah. The Ran Oth, that's that same Ran that says that that is why the king always has to have a Sefer Torah with him. Right? More than every other Jew that's to write a Sefer Torah, the king always, have, has to, always has to have one with him. Why? Because he has this elastic power. He needs to be held in check. He needs to always remember he's not God. He might have more flexibility, but he has to remember. Well, we're holding a Sefer Torah. You know, we... Uh, we act differently. We act differently. One time, I, this, before we made Aliyah, I remember I brought a Sefer Torah here on, an air, on a plane. I brought it. So first of all, you're a celebrity. Everybody in the, in the uh, airport, you're a celebrity. But again, there's, there's a way you act when you're holding a Sefer Torah. When you're holding a Sefer Torah, you, you, know, you, don't, you don't even want to like, you know, look at the news. You're holding a Sefer Torah. You're, so the king always has to have a Sefer Torah with him when he goes to meetings, when he goes out to war. Right? So that's... that's um, the difference between the two. Okay, two more thoughts. Binyamin. Binyamin, again, every bracha here could be analyzed. The last pasik. Binyamin gets one pasik. Right, there's differences between Zosa bracha and Vayachi. Here, Yosef gets a number of sukkim. Right, one, two, three, four, five. Binyamin gets one. But it's, it's a jam-packed one. And it's a, it's a strong bracha. Binyamin ze'ev yitrof. Binyam is a wolf. Ze'ev Yitraf. Baboker Yochal Ad Vola'erev Yechalek Shalom. So what is Binyamin? So we already look at the Unkelis. The Unkelis tells us there might not be a better bracha amongst the tribes. Binyamin Ba'are Tishrei Shrinta. In his area, the Shrina will rest. Beis HaMikdash. Uba'achasante Yispinei Makdasha. Bitsafra Ubepanya Yon Makarvin Kwanaya Karbana. What does he mean in the morning? What does the Pazak mean? Baboker la'erev means the karbanas. Right? The morning, the Kohen will get the karbanas. Ubi'idan ramsha. And at evening, Yehon mefalgin mosar chalakon mishar kachaya. They split up the karbanas. Binyamin gets the mizbeach. He gets the holy part of the, uh, of the area. The Gemara tells us, and the Medrash tells us, the Gemara in Zvachim, you look at source number 11 on line 6, the Gemara in Zvachim tells us that really, some of that section was supposed to go to Yehuda. Right? Yehuda's border was right there through the base of Migdash. There was a sliver of, of Eretz Yisrael, of, of Nachla, that was really supposed to go to Yehuda. And what happened? The Gemara tells us, Binyamin was in pain. Binyamin felt terrible. V'hoisa Binyamin at Tzadik. He's also called Tzadik in the, in the Gemara. Mitztair Aleha. He wanted it, he wanted it, he wanted it. Even though he had the rest of it. Until the Baruch Hu says, you want it so badly, I'll give it to you. And it was decided through the Urmatumim, right? So Binyamin would even get that entire chilek, the entire Mizbeach was in, going to be in Binyamin. That's what it says on top. Sharatza Binyamin, What do we see from here? Again, a message that we've mentioned often. It's about the rut zone. It's about the desire. We need to want to Ruchnius. Binyamin had so much. He had everything except his little sliver. It's not enough. Right, what does it say in Koheles? Oiv Kesef, Yispa Kesef. Somebody who loves money can never get enough money. Rabbi Yonah writes in Pirkei Avos in the first parak, Oiv Torah, Yispa Torah. 
Right? A person who loves Torah can never get enough. We could hear something. It could be, oh, okay. I heard the fart eight times. But you still love it. And you hear it a little different to nuance. And you could hear it, whatever it is, because if Oev Kesav, Oev Torah, Lo Yispa Torah. Oev Nachla in Eretz Yisrael, Lo Yispa Nachla in Eretz Yisrael. And it's all about wanting it. Right? Shlomo Malach says in Mishlei, line 11, in Tavak Shenaka Kesav, Chad Matmon and Takmasen, if you search for it, like silver, Oz Tavin Yeres Hashem, Dazlo Kim Timsa. There's no choice. If we're not searching for it, we're not going to get it. If you do this, Shlomo Malach, the wisest of all men says, you want Yeret Shemayim? You want it? You want Das Elokim? It's only if you search for it like, like a treasure. Like a treasure. Imagine if somebody tells us, Marshall is given, somebody tells us that in, in this backyard, a million dollars are buried. In the backyard. In this area. Would we sleep? Would we, would we give up after a while? Would we say, no! So, well, what does Shlomo say? If you search for it like gold and silver, then you'll get it. There can never be enough, like the Bali Musr say. Bashamayim mimal. When it comes to Ruchnias, we have to look at people who have more than us and yearn for that. Fiala aretz mitachas. Gosh, stuff. Look for people, look at people who have less than us. Right? Rahman al often it's the opposite. Right? Well, look how much I'm doing. Uh, look how much he has. It's the opposite. No, bashamayim mimal. Fiala aretz mitachas. Then he quotes from the Perkei der Belazar. In the first parak, where the first two prakim of, of Pirkei de Belazar tell the story of Belazar ben Herkinus, how he how he came to uh, to who he was, and it talks about how he knew nothing. He knew nothing, and he was sad, and he was crying. I want to know Torah, I want to know Torah, I want to know Torah, and he was still didn't know anything. And all of a sudden, Eliyahu Navi appears to him, and he says, "Why are you crying? Because I want to know Torah." He says, "Go learn with your Yochanan and Zakai." He was he was an Am Haaretz. He didn't know anything, and he was zochet to a gilui of Eliyahu Navi. Maybe after he knew everything. No, because he had such a strong desire to know, even though he didn't know yet. So he was zocha. He was zocha to such a gilui. Rabbi Yochem and Zakai says, why are you crying? And, and we send him. He didn't send him to kindergarten. Right? He sent him to go with Eliyahu. He sent him to Rabbi Yochem to the God Lador. Because he knew that's what he wanted. And he knew that was his goal. And we have to realize, he says here in the Osir Satori, he says right away he was zocha to it because desire is everything. To be a mavakish, to be that person who, who yearns, who yearns, he quotes on the next page. If he has such a strong thirst for Torah, then the Hatzlacha would be, is muftach, and for sure he is going to, he's going to, um, to gain. Okay, last thought having to do with the Parsha is, um, is also a halachic question. It's written in the Chashuke Chemed, Rev Zilberstein, in Bechoros on Daf Lamed Hay. Here's the case. Here's the case. Ruvain was driving. And he hit Shimon. Below Kavana. He hit Shimon below Kavana. And Nisei Nisam, he was saved. And Ruvain is moment by age. Ruvain felt terrible. He obviously was an accident. He takes him to the, he goes to the hospital. And he's with him, visiting him every day. And he's there as he's getting better. And he pays for all of his medical bills. Does everything. He asked Mechila a thousand times. Mocha, mocha, mocha. He knew it was an accident. Maybe it was, it was terrible. And he calms him down, calms him down, calms him down. And he stays there every single day until finally it's time for him to leave. He says, okay, I'm driving you home. He says, okay, fine. He trusts him. He knew the other thing was an accident. He drives him home. They pass by the spot where the accident was. And Shimon wants to know, thinking to himself, does he say the bracha of she'asali neis Well, why wouldn't you? 
It's going to make ruin feel terrible. If somebody mavat there on a bracha, maybe he'll say it quietly, maybe he'll notice. Somebody mavat there on a bracha, if it's going to cause somebody, you know, to, to, uh, to, to feel badly. So where do you look? You look in the Medrash in our parsha. What did the Medrash say? On the Pasuk, Luis Temenu Yosef, when the brothers were going back from, Mitzra- from Canaan to Mitzrayim, all of a sudden it says, maybe Yosef's going to hate us and our father already died. You know what the Medrash says? That on the way back, they passed the pit. They passed the pit. And Yosef looks down in the pit. Yosef looks down in the pit. And the brothers don't know what he's thinking. Don't know what he's thinking. But if you look in the, in the Hadar Zakanim, it says that he made the bracha of Baruch Shas Not all versions of the story have that. Some say he was just looking in. But he said it. So, oh gosh, that Bashli Nase. Now, now we're going to, they were thinking to themselves, it's going to be sinna believable. There's a Shiloh, not for now. What, they must have passed it on the way to Canaan also. They took a different route. Right? So why does it only say on the way back? He made the bracha. What about on the way there? Okay, not for now. But either way, this is the measure. So maybe, says if Zilberstein, you see from there that even though the brothers would feel bad, he made the bracha. Unbelievable. Do you say this? He quotes from the Maharitats. Adam Rishona. He says, if somebody lives in a in, a, in an upper story and he lives in the he, the, the nace was on the higher level and agar b'kom arishon and nifter b'kach when he gets to the mishloshim l'shloshim l'kom mashniyat zorch lavarich Yosef atzadik when he passed by the pit midisroch Yosef atzadik l'vros me'achav v'lo birch shom b'chashai right maybe you couldn't we couldn't move to the side say it quietly so he quotes all of these different discussions and he says he relates it to other tshuvas is it appropriate to make a bracha where other people were in pain. What about if somebody lost everything and I was saved? Do I make the bracha? And he's not, right? If there's terrible, there was there was a big fire and people lost everything. Do you make a bracha? He's bachalik between the different levels of busha, right? Maybe the brothers did it amazing and this was, he goes back and forth, back and forth. But he says more, maybe on line 37, maybe, maybe they realized that it was all up to Hashem. So they did it, but either way as, Kedarko Bakodesh, he just goes back and forth, doesn't give a full psak. But he quotes at the end, Rav Shradron, who says, obviously an extreme case, but he says, one time he says, Shamami Pied Re'ia. He quotes Rav Shradron, saw it, heard it from someone who saw this very uh, terrible story, so to speak, a chasid shota, that he thought of himself as a magdaktik ba'alacha. There was somebody talking and there was a group of people and one of the people there was a midget. Was a nanas, and all of a sudden somebody runs over, looks at the midges, and says, "Baruch Ata Hashem Alkinim Achalam Mishana Abrius." Makes a bracha of God creating unusual beings, and he used this person as a hechi timsi to make the bracha b'simcha gedola. Oilo lechasid shotezeh. Woe to that man! Woe to that man who is more machped on on hilchos brachas than hilchos beit adam lachavero. And uh, you know, these types of situations, we have to use our head, and therefore it's not so pashut to make a bracha. You know, where someone would have pain and embarrassment from that bracha, you know, it could be that we can be mavater. Kodesh Baruch Hu allows his name to be erased. So we could allow ourselves, you know, it's good to be machmir, if somebody, suffake, mavayish pene chabera barabim, l'chumra. And therefore, in this case, again, it is an answer, but I would say that, um, you know, we might be noteh in that way as well. Okay, we'll have to stop here. And we will continue with Sefer Mos next, next week.